Hi, I'm James Taylor. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. We're back. Happy New Year. Yay. It's not actually New Year's Eve when we're recording this, but it will be when you listen to this. <laughs> actually, by the time you listen to this, we might have a, another podcast up. We're doing a holiday party on Headcanon, so tune into that if you want to hear us get wrecked. Anyways, uh, welcome to <laughs> Bros Watch PL2. We are still recapping... <laughs> The perfectionist novels because we don't really have anything else to talk about right now. Um, shooting continues on the perfectionists. I think they've been on like hiatus break a little for the holidays, but were they about to like go into episode nine? Yeah. So Arlene Sanford directed 107, 108, and then the new year, uh, Norbeck steps back into the director's chair for 109, 110. So by the time we do our February one, they should be done. Yeah. That'll be it. And then I don't know, maybe we'll have a, a date sometime soon, an official release date. I'm still guessing April, but we'll see. Mm. Well, you never know. Freeform doesn't seem to adhere to any normal release schedule, so who knows? No. If it's like, I don't know, what are we going to do if it's like July? Are you just going to like <laughs> sit around with their thumbs up or ass for three podcasts? Seriously. You know, for a podcast where we rip apart other people's art for fun, but also out of love, that's really inconvenient Freeform. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. We'll figure it out. Or, or hopefully think, we won't. You think they'd want to get this out there? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Like I said, Freeform's, Why, their, like, their strategy baffles me in general. So, I would have thought Freeform would have been like horny to get you. Oh, thank you. Yes, exactly. That was a joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, maybe a little too edgy for them. I don't know. A little too real. Yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be a pretty Tuesday good freeform nights. show. Good trouble, you. <laughs> yeah. Good trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll still leave room for bad trouble. Just trouble. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. We're going to talk Do about that weird wanna... dolly shot that they were doing with Mona. Yes. There. It's, like, it's like, I am so intrigued by that. I That's the thing I'm most excited about. There's a shot, if in case anyone didn't see on Instagram, they did a shot. It was a night shot as a location shot where Janelle Parrish as Mona was sitting on top of a camera dolly, essentially, like with the camera over her shoulder, seemingly pointed at her phone as she's texting as mm-hmm. they like roll her down a track. It's... Mm-hmm. I had no idea why you would film essentially like an insert shot like that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really strange. Well, the angle is fascinating too, because obviously the camera has to miss the track. So it's kind of pointed down. Like, I don't know. Like, shoulder, yeah. I don't even know if you're going to get like her whole well, body or, or if it's just going to be like her hands, you know, like it seems like the camera is fairly close. I mean, maybe well, it's like a super is- wide angle shot. Whatever the shot is, too, like uh, presumably it's 107 or 108, guys. Like, just appreciate it and then go back and look at the picture because I'm guessing, as I look at this picture, Janelle Parrish is probably wearing the coat that she's wearing in the episode. I'm guessing these are not the pants nor the shoes because she's wearing slippers that she's wearing. She's just <laughs> sitting in for this insert, insert shot, which kind of reminds me a little bit of like those shots that like Spike Lee would always include. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's like a Spike Lee shot. You know, it's yeah. like where he, it's like he's got somebody standing on a dolly and. Uh, filming as he tracks like it's really weird i can't imagine why you would need that shot um 
I mean, mm. I, I appreciate it. Like, it seems like the show is going for a slightly more, like, just prestige look. And it, it deserves it. Like, I feel like PLO would have been there if they had a little more budget. Um, oh, there is a shot. Great re- artists, you know. There is yeah. a shot recently on, like, one of their Instagrams. It was, like, just, like, a picture of a monitor. And it was, like, Allie is, like, turning around or something. Or not Allie, but Sasha P- Paterza, you know, as Allie. Uh, and it was... I remember seeing it and being like, "Oh, hey, that's that's Allison De Laurentiis. you know, like that's 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 the real Alley, not like the last two seasons Alley, you know. She's in there still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, fingers All crossed. All she needed to do was drop her wife and kids. Oh, well, speaking of you, I guess that show's on Netflix now. Yep, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know. I I hope it doesn't succumb to like the Netflix. Like phage or whatever that 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 thing that all Netflix shows do, where they just kind of meander around, and there's like three episodes too many, and you know it doesn't seem like it's designed to be watched as an episode at a time, but just binged and mm. just treading water. Yeah, I just I don't know a lot. So many Netflix shows, it just there's something off about them, or it's like they don't function as individual episodes. I can't wait till when uh, Joe puts together his superhero team and they don't meet up until the end of episode four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mona, will, I don't, I don't, at, the, at the end of episode 10, Mona will put on the black hoodie again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, a perfectionist? I would fucking love it if Mona put on that black hoodie. I still have, I, I don't know. I'm very curious as to how they're going to work Mona into that show in general. Yeah. But. Well, like, I gotta say, meta spoiler as we get into the good girls, like, I really felt the deficit of an A figure in this book. Yeah, why don't we move into uh, the good girls? So, spoilers, obviously, if you haven't read either The Perfectionist, or I'm sorry, just The Perfectionist, or The Good Girls, we're going to be discussing uh, chapters 1 through 10 of The Good Girls right now. Uh, We... Highly suspect a certain plot twist uh, that's coming at the end of this book. Uh, we're so if you don't, about a lot. Yeah, we talk about it a lot. I'm sure you're familiar with it by now. But if you don't want to be spoiled at all for the books, you can stop listening. But it seems very, very likely that none of this is going to be in the TV show. So I don't think it's going to be really that much of a spoiler. Oh, but yeah. If you're about spoilers, you're fucked. Um, yeah, the cover of this is it's a big sloppy ice cream cone suspended in the pink void, drip, drip, dripping. That's a That's a little fruity in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the prologue. Uh, well, just we start- in general, it's my overall thoughts on this. Um, it's really weird how quickly all their conflicts resolve from mm-hmm. the previous book. It's really like a reset. Yeah. For a final book, too. It's very weird it's, for like a duology. Yeah, it's especially weird for duology. And that it seems to like want to refocus on characters. I mean, I think it does a little bit better job of like character building. But it's like we're a book in, you know. Like, yeah, it seems like some of the stuff we should, probably should have gotten in the first book. I don't know. It's it's odd. I mean, I think this the first ten here are better than the first ten of the Perfectionist. Um, I don't know how much that is her building on previous character development, if you could call it that. It doesn't really seem like she's building that much, though. It's no, al- it almost feels like she's just starting over, which is kind of bizarre. I- I would, I mean, we didn't really, it's, it's hard to gauge it because we took essentially three months to get through uh-huh. the first book. 
it is like a 200 page book, but like, I feel like the momentum of these stories just work against themselves. You have, again, maybe you have at least one, maybe two characters too many. Like this could be tight and really yeah, I mean, and I interesting see, with I, like three, maybe four girls. I see why there are that many. It's kind of three to, and hide, a half girls. to hide the twist. You know, like I, yeah. I think it wouldn't work as well if you had fewer characters, at least what she's going for. But you are kind of stuck with just a lot of like relationship drama, kind of like individual character drama that isn't really connected to the larger, like, you know, who killed Nolan Hotchkiss, who killed Granger, that sort of thing. Oh, it's like this book. It's like, oh, yeah, remember Nolan Hotchkiss? We're struggling to bring him back up. Like, I get the the advice that you can give a writer. It's like, oh, you clearly are building to something and you're very excited about that. So get to that as fast as possible. And I get like, okay, obviously there are bricks on the road that are important to get there. You want to set them up. But it's like, quite frankly, let's just say what it is. Like the Julie Parker stuff is clearly so interesting to the writer. Um and I feel like the like some of the other girls, it's a struggle. Like you need either Mackenzie or Caitlin. I think it felt like Mackenzie had a little bit more of a yeah. personality in this, but it's still I don't know. It's like I'm I'm trying to kind of imagine like the these characters in a TV show. Like it, I, I feel like I don't have my Arias or my Hannahs or anything like that, you know. Like yeah. they're I mean it would maybe being acted out by a person, you know, an actor who brought their own thing to it, kind of flesh them out a little bit. It still feels like your, your Caitlin's and your Mackenzie's and your Ava's are pretty bland. Well, like in PLO. Okay. So, I mean, obviously the show started and I think Lucy Hale is your anchor. Like she's your like kind of lead. And then as the show progresses, it's like, obviously Spencer is going to have to take these reins. Like she's going to become the leader. But the best part about PLO was that no one really told Aria that she was no longer the lead. So it's like, terrified. Yeah, because they're terrified of her. And so, like, all that Ezra crap still came in and went. It was popular. And, like, she never she never surrendered the reins of the show. Um, Ava, like, the lead characterness of this is just being, like, dragged away from her. And she's, like, the last person to realize it. Yeah. Yeah, the Julie Parker stuff is so much more interesting than, I mean, I guess Ava would be, like, next on the list of interesting but sort I mean, of. only because she's 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 tied into Granger and Alex. Yeah. So I feel like they're trying to set up something of Alex. We'll get into that. But like, yeah, it's, that's why I just I feel like it's like it's Mackenzie or Caitlin. You gotta pick one. But I think you you need both of them for what uh, what's ultimately coming. You know, like either either it's it's like just a Julie Parker book and these other characters aren't in it at all, mm-hmm. or you do all five. Well, that's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm we, surprised that it's only two books. I'm very curious how what we at this point kind of. I think we're pretty solid. <laughs> I mean, we don't know, but we're pretty solid. I mean, something's coming. I'm very at least a big how. twist. Yeah, we don't necessarily know if that is relating to the killer or not. But yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's especially weird. This is you know, like you said, the second half of the duology. It starts with a prologue that gives us a scene that it feels like we should have gotten in the first book. Yes. Yes, yeah, like you said, I think she's like, okay, what worked and what am I, what was I desperately lacking? Because it reminded me of like the second part of like an X Files two parter where it's like, there's a weird flashback to something you really should have seen. Well, it's weird uh, because so what we get is this, the we get the the infamous scene in their film class where they first come up with the idea to do this prank on Nolan Hotchkiss and 
it's like, oh, hey, there's all these like character beats. Like, I feel like I'm actually getting to know the characters a little better now. Like, why didn't I get this in the first book? Like, this yeah. is actually really good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough. the first 10 chapters in the first book are rough. Uh, so there's a little like there's like the first page is kind of like your elevator pitch of, you know, you want to kill someone. What? And then you don't. And so what, what, do, you, they what do you think about like who's who's saying this? Just the narrator, the writer. Yeah, I guess. It's, it's like second person. It's all you. You know, like the last line is like, in other words, be careful what you wish for because you might it's get Joe. exactly what you want. It's Joe. Joe's telling us this. Um, this is one of Beck's books. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, it'd be fun I'm if it was work just on my like Joe impression. Do you have a Joe impression? No, that's why I say I got to work on it. This could really open you up to like a certain kind of Twitter fandom. Like you could really unlock some doors for yourself. In other words, be careful what you wish for. No, that's like Kirk. Let's uh, just take a moment. Let's just work, workshop it. I, I would need to go watch the show again, I think. He has well, like a, a weird He's, way of delivering that. I feel like if I do it, I'm going to sound like Captain Kirk. You know, it's like he has pauses oh. in his, his uh, delivery. Can we hear your Captain Kirk? In other words, be careful what you wish for. Because you Ooh. might get exactly what you want. I think go deeper. That's Joe. See, I feel like it's a lighter touch for Joe. Yeah, I mean, there's there. He's 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 got this like light as a feather. In other words, because a horny Joe boy thing. Yeah. But like, let's let's find some actual lyric or uh, lyrics quotes from Joe, and then see if you can do them. I, I don't think any, everyone will wait. Everyone, everyone will wait. Just, yeah, yeah, just just, just take five. Yeah, yeah, we're we're just gonna Google some shit. <laughs> you really shouldn't put all that stuff about yourself on the internet. <laughs> I uh, I really hate googling this show because of the uh, fucking name. <laughs> Remember how much uh, you hated the band Blonde Redhead? That's how I feel sometimes when I'm Googling you stuff. You IMDb. There's not a quotes thing on IMDb? What the fuck? IMDb? Oh, there's What's no the quotes for this one? What's the point of you IMDb? Oh, all right. Never mind. Let's get back to the Fine. Fine. Back to the pot. Thwarted by the internet. Uh, yeah, so then we're we're actually in that flashback to Granger's class. They've just showed, and then there were none. I'm very curious which version it was again. Uh, the girls are having their first discussion. I'm curious how long the class is because I can just say the 1945 version of that movie is an hour and 37 minutes. Um, I mean, it could have been over multiple periods. Oh, we find out that Ava was on a glamour magazine. Like, like we know she did modeling in the first book. I don't know if an actual oh, she, publication she, was mentioned, but glamour. she was uh, snapped as a trendsetter on the street in glamour. Is that a real thing? Does glamour go around looking for high school students who are trendsetters? That like, seems not okay. How would Glamour know? Especially in Beacon Heights, Washington, but still underage girls. Yeah, that's not cool. Also, Glamour is uh, what George was caught in the contest with. Glamour? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it seems like if they did have one of these, it would all be like New York prep schools that like the editors like send their kids to or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if it was like, you know, like a Gossip Girl slash Manchester prep cruel intentions thing. Uh, we find out Mackenzie is so good that she once played on stage of Yo-Yo Ma, which is another Seinfeld reference, or could be. Uh, so, I, I also, I just want to talk about Granger real quick and his like apparent grading skill here. That's uh, apparently so brutal uh, and in line with every other ultimate ultra competitive class at Beacon High. So, group discussions to come up with paper topics were key. Like, I'm trying to remember my high school and like. Like if you like knew what a thesis statement was, you were like ahead of ninety percent of the class. Yeah. Like, the paper writing was like, wow, you actually like wrote a paragraph with like a uh, 
a summarizing statement at the beginning and then some examples and then like a, uh, you know, a wrap up statement like, wow, you're, you're on your way. You know what you're doing? You know, like writing. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's different in schools now, but it didn't seem like they went that I, deep. I feel like those first three years of high school were like, don't make the teacher want to bang their head in a drawer during those five paragraphs. I mean, I can remember I had a history teacher my junior year of college who was like, gather around everyone. I know I'm a history professor, but like none of you know how to write because you barely got into high school. So I just want to cover the basics here before you write your first essay for me. Cool. Uh, so supposedly Parker's the first one to speak, uh, suggests that perhaps the judge wasn't wrong in his plan and or philosophy, which leads the girls to all pick someone that they would off. Julie, of course, says that she would kill Parker's dad. Which is really Parker. weird, right? Like if Parker was a real person, she's like, personally, first on my list would be Parker's dad. The judge let him off too easy. Yeah. And like seemingly like... Theoretically, Parker's sitting right next to her there. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> and then she it, thinks later she knew it was always hard for Parker talking about her dad. Like, why did you bring it up then? Well, but then it's very weird too. Like, they're so simpatico that Parker's like, "Thanks for doing me that solid." May I also, in turn, suggest Ashley Ferguson, your high school nemesis? Um, Mackenzie would kill her buddy Claire, and this is before a lot of their issues. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's like she already kind of has like a frenemy relationship, even though she hasn't totally acknowledged it. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I guess uh, I would murder my best friend. Yeah, just cause I don't have anyone yeah. else, so I feel peer pressure. Uh, Ashley, by the way, is the uh, the one who ratted out Julie's big secret there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we do a rehash of the previous one, but yeah, Ava would kill her new stepmom, Leslie, who's um, the worst. I feel like the show would love to have a Leslie or, or most shows would. Um, there are, there are some characters here that just on the page they read as like incredibly over the top. Like what the hell's wrong yeah. with this person? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's, it also reads in that way where it's like, you clearly don't know the full picture because like your entry point is this self-centered high school student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Parker actually asked Ava how she would do it. And Ava responds and she says that Leslie's a drunk. So maybe she could fall off the balcony after polishing off her nightly bottle of Chardonnay. LOL. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's going to happen now. I hope. Oh, I kind of wonder where we left off in, yeah. in this book. Yeah. Mackenzie would suggest a hit and run for Claire. Uh, Julie would suggest that someone shivs Parker's dad in the prison yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Caitlin who steps in and says that she uh, that the person she would kill would be Nolan Hodgkiss because he was responsible for her brother's death. Can I just say that uh, Julie, when she's saying that like Parker's dad should get his ass kicked in the prison yard, she goes, that happens all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the girls, you know, they plan out a death by cyanide for Nolan as an homage to the old movies. And then they decide to actually drug him with Oxy at a party and write shit on him while he's passed out. Which they're going to do about a week later before he dies. So, you know, bonding stuff. Normal normal teen stuff. Yeah. Moving on to chapter one. A uh, key piece of information here. We find out that Granger was stabbed with his own kitchen knife. Yeah. This is a Mackenzie chapter, by the way. Um, yeah. Sunday morning outside the police I mean, station. Doesn't it really seem like, like obvious that it's Parker? Because like. She disappeared. Well, I don't know. Because like Parker disappeared. But like. I guess Julie was with them. So Parker was just said like fled her to her subconscious or something. So maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I presume yeah. when Julie physically leaves, Parker yeah. has to go with her. <laughs> um, you presume. Well, she's a ghost. Oh, and I feel like the Alex thing, it's coded right now to read. He's not really guilty. Um, 
Yeah, but why yeah, are we finding we'll out in chapter one? Like, there was a couple chapters where we could have found out at the end of the previous book. I mean, I think it's just, sometimes you just want to hold off to the next book. You don't want to commit yourself to any details that you don't need to put in yet. She, and I wonder how much she's just like, I don't want to be tied down to something. Yeah, exactly. I, like, you, you don't, it's so, not super important. Like, you'll set up that mystery in the next book, you know? Yeah, uh, Mackenzie reminds us that Nolan Cautious had like wooed her way back when. They took her on a few dates, convinced her to take some risque pictures of herself. And when she did, posing nude behind her cello, which she then shared with his friends who laughed at her, they apparently drove past her house and threw money at her. We already got that, yeah. That was in the uh, first book. Yeah, I'm just saying that's weird. I mean, because the. Oh, you like not, came to her door and threw money at her. It's not funny, but the line from the book is Can you say humiliating nightmare? Um,. The cops on the pictures, that's part of their Mackenzie part of the theory. Uh, I feel like so maybe Mackenzie's like supposed to be a little bit of like a Willow slash Mac from uh, Veronica Mars type of character. I definitely see like the Mac thing. I mean, they describe her physically. I mean, her name is Mac. Yeah. 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 Um, but she's definitely like coded as like the cute nerd. Or at least she sees herself that way. Although there is, there's a description of her later I want to discuss because I found it hilarious. But. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the the thesis question here is is remaining: Was Granger's was Granger actually Nolan's killer, or was Nolan's killer responsible for Granger's death as well? Mm. And to make it look like it was them again, yeah. Yeah. So parents pick her up. They believe in her innocence. It's a shame because of the timing. Because unofficially, she's been accepted to Juilliard as her, her buddy Claire. Um, Claire sees that, or uh, I'm sorry, Mackenzie sees that some chick named Amy is just chilling Yeah, there. what's up with Amy? I don't think Amy ever popped up again in these chapters, but like oh. randomly it's like, oh, who's Amy? She's like watching her from across the street, like staring, like snickering at her. Yeah. What? Like, why not bring that up again? I mean, it was whatever. one of those things was uh, like, I highlighted immediately. I'm like, what's this? Come on, you, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Claire's in the back of the family car. I like the detail that she's sitting next to her little sister, Sierra, who's looking at her like she's terrified of her. <laughs> yeah, all their parents have found out that they've been not charged, but are like persons of interest, well, I guess, in a murder. picked up on the police station. So yeah. Well, the, the police has, have made their parents aware that like these girls are suspects, I think, and that they need to all lawyer up. For the first time, we're going to speak to your parents, even though we probably should have never actually spoken to you without your parents present, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So they drive home. Fucking Blake is there waiting for her. She doesn't want want anything to do with him, but he persists. Tells her it's true that Claire convinced him to hang out with her just to spy on her and report on what musical piece she was doing. His line here, he's like, but once I realized how you felt and I felt, I wanted to put a stop to it. You're the one I've always wanted. I didn't mean to hurt you. I felt terrible about it. All of it. Like, it's a little too late for that, Blake. Here's the thing about Blake. He's trash. Um, I mean, it's in the theoretical, you know, high school rom-com, he would have been, you know, this is like a Pygmalion thing where it's like he would have like taken this assignment and then fell for her and then like not tr- tried to not go through with it at the end or something, you know? But instead, he's like, he totally did everything Claire wanted him to do and like completely screwed back over and like destroyed her confidence. And now he's like, oh, but I actually kind of did like you anyway. Babe, if I had known that underneath those glasses was a stone cold hottie, oh, babe, I would have never. <laughs> That's your Keanu uh, or your Paul Walker? I don't. Don't worry about Paul Walker. <laughs> he's gonna be fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's broken up with Claire again for realsies this time. You know, if Mackenzie will have him, he also made her a cupcake with a sloppily crafted violin yeah. on made of gummy worms. 
I mean, I know this, he's in high school, and this is like trying for him, but don't. He this, wrote a no, letter too. Yeah, this gesture is crap. Well, it's um, it's too much. Like all all you can do right now, Blake, is like if you really mean it, just fucking prostrate yourself on the ground and like don't don't bring up that I really want to date you right away. You know, you just like try to apologize first. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, and try to be sincere. Yeah, so he's congratulating her on getting the Juilliard, which I love because she realizes he could have only heard that from Claire, which means they're still in contact. So he asks if there's any chance, and she's basically like, fuck off. But she does, she does take that unopened envelope inside of her. I'm sure that will come up eventually. What if, like, uh, when she eventually reads this in, like, you know, chapter 30, it just says, like, psych, and, like, a drawing of <laughs> middle finger. It's just a picture of, like, Claire mooning her, mm-hmm. playing the long game. Uh, yeah, chapter two. It's a Julie chapter. Yay. It's Monday morning. Julie's awoken by the sounds of her mother screaming out. Uh, we find out that Julie is the kind of girl who makes her bed of hospital corners. Uh, her mom really sounds horrible in this chapter. Her 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 mom might be one of the worst characters. I just every description of her, it's like Mrs. Redding pushed a strand of greasy hair out of her eyes. Yeah. Like ew. Also, yeah. it's it's funny. Like she's Julie's like thinking about how everyone knows now, and like now they're getting, I'm going to get all the the awful nicknames like Julie Rodding, Julie Julie, and the one she dreaded most, Pussy Galore. And I wonder, like, how many people reading this, you know, in the, the tween audience get that reference? Yeah. Does Julie get that reference? Like, does uh, either, she know that's a Bond thing? Well, either way, it, it, it doesn't matter even if they do get it. Like, you don't want to have a nickname that has the word pussy in it. I, I mean, I, I just like, I guess I feel like she's missing out on like a layer there. Yeah, I know. Like, actually, that was actually a pretty clever Bond reference. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Parker hadn't come home again last night. Again, uh, I like that when the the door to Julie's room is like you know protects her from everything else in the house and her mom. How she puts it is contamination. <laughs> well, she like tries. To, she straight up kicks one of those cats into the hallway when it tries to come in. <laughs> Just the this description of the smells that waft in with her mother. Oh, are it's so gross! Pungent smell of mildewed newspapers, food cake dishes. Crusted tins of wet cat food. And here's the worst. Wet fabric. Why is yeah. the fabric wet? Yeah, that's gross. Well, and, you know, in the first book, we got a little bit of the mom. And I don't know, like, I guess I was left the, the impression of, like, just someone who was, like, really needed, like, some some social work and mental health work and, you know, couldn't really be blamed for herself. But let me hit you with the mom here, some of the dialogue here. It's yeah. like. What the hell good are you? Mrs. Redding sputtered, thrashing her arms around like a maniac. You were a useless child, and now you're a useless teenager. You just take and take and take, and you never do anything for me. Her eyes spun around. Her, your father knew how useless you were. It's like, holy shit, you're awful. Yeah, out of nowhere, she becomes a fucking nightmare. She's like a total monster, yeah. That's why I left, you know. The first time he held you, he turned to me, and he said, well, maybe we'll get it right next time. He saw right through you. You're the reason he abandoned us. You were never good enough for him. Damn. I mean, that's not cool. No, that's that's pretty rough. Uh, <laughs> and she got even, in there with those jives early. She even mentions the murder. She's like, you probably did it, you stupid bitch. This is all because... Julie refused thrice to go pick up more kitty litter and diet, diet sprite, sprite from her mother. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, the the best one is when when she asks the mom at one point, like, "What can I do to make you love me?" And her mom's like, "Be someone else." <laughs> yeah, that's real though. Um, so doorbell rings. Julie I mean, what do you answer. think this is? Like more sympathy for Julie, maybe? 
it it just seems like really pumping the gas on how terrible her mom is in this book where we didn't quite see it to this degree. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess maybe the, the, her, her conflict and her fear in the previous book that was that somebody would find out. And now the whole school knows. And so it's like they, they need is. a new, uh, kind of a new angle on that because. Well, I think also it's, it's setting the pressure that a person could be ground under for years that would lead to yeah. a psychological break. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's now that the school knows it's like, well, you you know, you're just going to have to deal with it. Like, that's not, I guess the conflict isn't as, like, personal or, you know, internal. So they needed, like, a new internal conflict, you know, with the yeah. mom now and, like, how horrible she is. So as the doorbell's ringing, Julie's going to answer. She's got nightmares. And Ashley's just, like, coming back, like, twisting the knife anymore. I love that her, her general fears of Ashley is that Ashley will pop up out of birthday cakes at her. She'll pop <laughs> I know up what in, you're going to mention here. She'll pop up in bathroom stalls. She will pop up out of nowhere during fucking waxy appointments. Just like, like from between her legs or something just rises up. Hi, Julie. I know you're, I know the truth. Like right as this person's just like ripping the hair right off your vagina or whatever. Or your legs. Um, yeah, so of course it's the foreign exchange kid, Carson Wells, who... I don't know. I don't oh, know. He just shows up. And suspicious he's just, like, or just uninteresting. Yeah, I think he's just uninteresting. Uh, we find out that that photo that uh, she'd gotten sent from from Ashley at Pike Place, where he was like giving her thumbs down, that was just like a goof photo he'd taken weeks ago. Obviously, had nothing to do with her. Uh, and so it's basically he's just like, I don't care at all. I just want to be with you. And they kiss, and it's her first kiss. And, uh, and so it's like all that, all that. Or at least not all, but most of the tension from Ashley outing her is gone now. It's like, it's going to be okay. You've got a new boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. She's warned him that, like, all that shit that you read, it's all true. And he's into it. Mm-hmm. So they kiss, um, surrounded by all her mom's material garbage bullshit. And she says that their kiss is pure, sweet, and sensual. Mm. Um, I was going to say, obviously, none of, these, none of these girls are, like, having sex. I don't think hey, Parker likes. may have. Oh, well, Parker. I mean, I think Ava talks about like waiting for her first time to be special or something. Mackenzie obviously has not. Caitlin, maybe. I mean, she's mm. been dating that Josh dude for a while. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. And now she's going to start with his brother. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this dude asked her to be his girlfriend officially. Uh, she has to think about it. Is she a person worth being He kind of just starts like giving some orders here. He's like, you're officially my girlfriend. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, if you want to be, because you are. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so chapter three, Caitlin. Um, it's Monday afternoon. The soccer she's, one. Yeah, the soccer one. She's skipping soccer practice to go to the cemetery to visit her brother's grave. But there's a brand new Dragon Ball Z action figure there on the headstone, which Jesus can only Christ. mean the arrival of Jeremy Friday. I just can't with this Jeremy guy. He inspires emotions in her like love, relief, excitement, and anxiety, too. What was even uh, more she, perfect that Jeremy was smiling at her instead of scowling? Yeah, uh, she I just feel like it's like like the nerdiest, like geekiest version of me is like writing this Jeremy character. It's just like always oh, so awesome. And then they talked about Rick and Morty, and they were happy. Is that the nerdiest version of you? No. Are you tall uh, and lanky, wearing a Star Wars shirt with holes in it? Uh, well, I'm not tall, but I definitely have Star Wars shirts with holes in them. 
<laughs> cool. All right. Really paint a picture for her audience. Mm-hmm. Um, if you told her weeks ago that she would go for a dude like this, she would have laughed in your face. But now she calls him a diamond in a rough and right under her nose the whole time. Like she's really painting a portrait that's going to like shatter in her face later. Yeah. I have some thoughts about this dude when, when her mom enters the, her moms enter the equation. Um, <laughs> uh, so she's relieved. She's happy after the basement shit in the Friday house. I got to say, like, the only valuable thing that I really, really adored about the Caitlin storyline was that whole fucking uh, end to that chapter of the basement in the or Friday house. Right away, yeah. But they're all just staring at her at different levels of horror. So she had to fight her boyfriend who was a dunce. Doesn't know a lot of stuff going on of her. And then she ended up dating his brother. So I could see where people are a little confused about Caitlin's situation of that of late. Um, well, we she's get a little bit of resolved issues of her brother's death. Yeah, we get a little bit of detail about uh, at school. Like, obviously, everybody's heard about Granger being dead now, and they're all like crying, praying around the flagpole. Um, Caitlin's surprised that some of the girls who were on Granger's phone, like Jenny Teal, uh, had been in tight knots sobbing. Uh, so, like, even even his supposed victims, or I should say, supposed, but. Um, just victims, I suppose, uh, were crying over this and, and felt, you know, crushed by it. Yeah. We get so some, we get some more to... random um, names of Josh's friends, like Guy Kenwood and Timothy Burgess. There's even more, like, needless random high school student names. Oh, we get, some, we get some, like, Juilliard kids, yeah. So one thing that, like, really bugged me about Jeremy here, because, like, this dude was definitely waiting for her at the. Uh, oh, this dude was praying at the grave, her, right? right? It's just like, yeah, I don't know. This this relationship would not last. Like, if if the major kind of like point of your relationship is how you can like talk about your dead brother, yeah, and your you know your dead friend the whole time, like that's that's gonna get weird eventually. But he's definitely waiting for her to show up at the grave, and she talks to him a little bit about how like uh, she, she talks to Josh. It's awkward, but you know. He's not, he doesn't seem angry at least. And, and Jeremy says, maybe our boy is growing up, which is such an asshole thing to say. Like, first of all, you're younger. Fuck you. Like, don't well, be condescending. Like, within, like, embedded within her take on all of this, because I think deep down, Caitlin knows that she's not making healthy decisions because uh, she's not. I mean, this is the thing about grief. It like fucks you up in the, in the, you know, the immediate aftermath of something, but it also can fuck you up later. I mean, but like, I think, I think her decision to like reexamine her love of soccer is good. You know, yeah. the well, Jeremy I mean, stuff, maybe not so good. Everything in your life you know, and challenge it and let it reprove itself to you. But so she's like, it must be hard for Josh to like discover that your girl is now into your younger and less popular brother. She really hits home how much like uh, Jeremy is less popular. Uh, Cause I guess it's a whole new life for her. So, you know, eventually Josh was cool. He wanted her to be happy. Um, Caitlin's sad because she realized every good thing in her life has come with something bad. She's here with Jeremy at Taylor's grave and Josh is sad. She's happier than she's been in years, and also she's wanted for murder. So, you know. So eventually they go to pizza, get some pizza. They talk about over slices of white pie. What is that? I don't know, white sauce, maybe? Like, yeah, maybe, or just like a cheese pizza. I'm not familiar just with that vernacular. Like Captain Soccer Team, which I think at this point is a moot, moot issue. Like well, you're, it's, you're it's, to... there's, they're building a new conflict there with the soccer thing. Yeah. I'm maybe white pie is like a Philadelphia First thing. A Philadelphia thing? Oh, maybe. Yeah, in Seattle. Yeah. I can see that. Um, so she gets home. The moms are already there. They're listening to their NPR. They're chopping up shit for dinner. Moms want to talk. 
They're upset about the breakup because it fucks with their usual social life of the Fridays, which oh, includes yeah. Saturday antiquing, Sunday brunch, and Wednesday night dinners. Well, it's Sunday brunch, uh, the <laughs> first of every month, regular Wednesday dinners. Man, that's just a lot going on with that family. A little too intertwined for high school relationships, for sure. Yeah, this this little paragraph is interesting here. Like, Caitlin has heard the two of them like whispering in their bedroom at night, uh, that or in the night uh, she'd been fingerprinted for sneaking into Granger's house. Um, why do you think she's doing this? They'd said low murmurs. Is she acting out against us? Maybe this has something to do with Taylor and poor Josh. He must be crushed. Oh, and then she's. <laughs> Rightfully upset. Why are they not like poor Caitlin? That's fair. Yeah. Well, and they say something later that Marianne here says, we're not sure what you have in common with Jeremy is all. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, no, this, this is, this part is the, the genuine huge laugh of the book for me because the moms say, it's just that the two boys are so different. We don't understand what you have in common with Jeremy. And she, Caitlin responds, well, I have nothing in common with Josh. This is when I first started like to get a little inkling of like, Maybe these two moms aren't just being kind of like nosy and kind of misunderstanding their daughter. Maybe they know something. Maybe they know yeah. something about Jeremy. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so she storms out of the room and uh, or up to her room and they're like, wait, we haven't talked about Granger. And she yells back, I didn't do it. That's all you need to know, <laughs> which is still hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, parents just don't understand is what she feels. But no, I agree with you. I think. I think the moms are very accurately, they don't know what the fuck's in Caitlin's head, but like her actions are, are telegraphed pretty loudly. Um, so chapter four, Parker wakes up in a field. She's analyzing the input from her body. Like she's a robot that just quantum leaped into it. She's like, Oh, so I've been drinking. Oh, I must've also been smoking. Um, you know, the way it's described, it's like off in the distance, a massive building loomed. Where the hell was she? Uh, at first, like before I kind of got to the twist of this chapter, I was like, is she going to be outside the prison or something like that? Uh, but no, it seems like she's just like behind a strip mall. Uh, she's been drinking and smoking. She can tell from, you know, being hung over and smelling like smoke. Yeah. Um, Later, she'll she'll say that she remembers taking a bus back to town, which I think is interesting. We We get a little bit more detail on the kind of Parker Nolan situation. Uh, where she, you know, she had Nolan Hotchkiss the seal of approval. They were tight. One of those platonic friendships that was even closer and cooler than any couples. So, like, um, they were seemingly like BFFs. Whenever I hear that, I always assume, okay, he was probably in love with you. Like, that's where, like, the weird, I mean, dark would, part of, of Nolan Hotchkiss was. Would Nolan we'll not know. have acted on that, I guess, you know? I don't know, because Nolan, notorious bad boy that he was, seems so fucking juvenile in his it, actions. It but, just doesn't seem like he would have like been so smitten by Parker that he wouldn't have like made a move, I guess. But who knows? Maybe he was. So she recounts basically to get to that, like what a fucking party all-star she used to be. Like if she showed up to your high school party, that was a success. She could tear that shit up shot for shot. She would laugh off hangovers because she was a good times badass. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we, get the, we do get the detail here that her father was locked up for life. Yeah. Which uh, would seem like a long sentence for somebody who was just like had like a domestic violence, like felony, you know, or like battery or whatever. Right. No, he didn't murder. Like life. Life is usually murder. Yeah, he did a murder. Um, but also 
more proof that Parker is actually Julie and neither of them realize it. She says, and she had a wonderful best friend in Julie Redding. Their bonds strong and meaningful in a sea of superficial relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, seriously, like Julie is going to, through this offshoot dissociative identity, she's going to break her arm, patting herself on the back. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so her life was fucking awesome, except for her mom who hated her, dad who beat her. Um, she talked about how she's changed. She'd become a different girl, a harder, edgier, angry girl, a bizarro Parker. Fuck mm. yeah, bizarro Parker. Um, wearing the same clothes as when the police station finds her phone, tells her that it's Tuesday. Um, remembers that she had that file that had Julie's name on it at Granger. She even she says here that she did read it. She just can't remember what it says. And then she actually says, "Typical," she thinks. <laughs> Yeah, I I, mean, I was trying to think, like, when did she read it after she left? Not in the book. No, no. I mean, I don't I, I don't think I don't think she had time to read it at the at Granger's house. Oh, no, she does. No. She says she does, though. She says she's pretty sure she'd read the file while still in Granger's house. She says that here, but she clearly didn't when we were with them in Granger's like apartment or whatever. Seemingly, yeah. That's why I think it's it's the you know the ether of the, this constructed see, persona. See, seemingly, real Julie has read that file at some point and but doesn't remember whatever, it. And whatever was there was so you know damning that she had to look away and forget all about it because it revealed you know it was a mirror, it was like the Don Quixote mirror that was like shining on her. I mean, I, I guess if Julie's in the car like racing away with the other girls, she couldn't there like there wouldn't be enough time for her to like double back and go kill granger later like it seems like it, it was like his body was found pretty quickly yeah yeah i almost think that's too much like having the parker julie reveal is one thing but yeah also like she's homicidal i mean the only way i could see that this is just a duology is if maybe one of the girls dies or if they just find the reveal of parker julie parker slash julie that'd be so damaging that they're like we can't do a third book it's just whatever yeah. we did our with our shocker uh good product placement verizon and subway eat fresh she has Fielder's business card, reminds us of that whole situation. She starts feeling up her facial scars, which apparently make a web across her face. Well, there is uh, a, an interesting detail here when she's recalling uh, her shrink who she thought was stalking her and that like encounter they had at the diner. Um, and so her, the sentence here is that that was before she confronted him and he grabbed her arm roughly, saying she needed to listen. Listen to what? Julie had hissed in Parker's ear when they left. So yeah. it's like she doesn't it's like Parker only remembers part of that encounter or something. Yeah. Um, but and, and she's kind of dominated by Julie when it comes yeah. to these issues. Julie, who's like otherwise lost in the sea of her own shit, uh, feeling pretty low. She calls fielders the even more interesting detail. I love how he answers. He's <laughs> like, is this Parker? It's sounding surprised. Yeah. So she immediately regrets calling him. He gets her to stand a line with news about her dad. Convenient that she called. Yeah. Yeah, there's accident in the prison yard. Parker's dad is dead. <gasps> <laughs> Your father, well, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, so chapter five, we're in Ava. I mean, if, if you're the star of the book, I feel like we'd get to you before chapter five. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Bat last or whatever. But yeah, I know what you mean. Nah, she's not. She's not. We got, she's not we got both Julie and her Tolpo there already. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of clunky first sentence, I thought. I mean, I think the, the reason we get here, her last, I think, is because we're about to hit the 
the Alex plot twist. Alex, right? yeah. yeah. Tuesday evening, as Ava Jolly sat on the kitchen table, agonizing over her physics homework, she was an AP, much to the amazement of her only interest in their looks, fashionista friends. Yeah, I know. I read that I twice. So I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I don't think this sentence fully works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Ava's dad's going to work talking about the kitchen island. Her mom is, her stepmom is floating in and out of the room like a drunken soap opera wraith. I mean, I guess if Tuesday evening is your subject and not Ava, it's like Tuesday evening. As Ava Jalali sat in the kitchen table, agonizing over physics homework. The, uh, the sixth perfectionist is the evening of Tuesday, in which yeah. all things happen. Uh, yeah, so Leslie's like, you know, worried about wine glasses, how polished they are. Her mom's coming to town next week. We're going to throw a party. Um, the best part of Leslie here is that it's she's on her third glass of Chardonnay before 5 p.m. like a boss. She, she's doing a bunch of shit while never setting that glass down. Leslie's like suddenly really concerned about some party she's throwing for her mom. I, I I don't know if this was eventually going to pay off to anything other than like Leslie being awful or something, but like that's that's the main conflict now is like Leslie's being horrible and like yelling about flower arrangements and shit. I did this thing here where I just closed my eyes and pretended that Ava's dad was like Persian Dan Hedaya. I've been pretending that Leslie is like um, for some reason I keep picturing Amy Poehler and Mean Girls only like the evil version. A little bit. I for some reason I picture her as the actress who plays Chris Elliott's wife on Shit's Creek, but like doing obviously a much different character. Um, I don't know. This, this is. This do you watch that really, show? I do. Huh, okay. Like I, I think this is a really like I don't know. Like I, I, in a TV show, this could be a really interesting, fun character. Like it'd be horrible. You're gonna hate her, and then like she's gonna have a, like a drunken reveal to somebody at some point. I don't know. Yeah, dad leaves the room. Leslie tells Ava that she rushes around trying to make everything perfect only because it is so imperfect. Remember the name of the book, primarily meaning Ava. She refers to Ava's skinny jeans and her slightly revealing top and basically tells her she dresses like a whore. She says, you dress like a whore. No wonder no one respects you. What are you really doing in that teacher's house before you killed him? Getting him off? Damn. Damn. There's some, just between Mrs. Redding and, and Leslie here, it's just like, Jesus Christ, what is wrong with these adults? <laughs> they just they just they got the memo to be horrible. Although it's just it's just so retroactively hilarious because like three chapters from now, Ava's dad will be like, Leslie's really trying, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> uh so this makes Ava furious. I wonder why. She runs up to her room. She can't stand living in the house of Leslie. This sentence cracked me up. It's like it's like the only thing you could do this for like a teenage girl, maybe she's like, Why did she hate Ava so much? Was she jealous? <laughs> um I just I feel like the TV show would love her. So she reminds us that Alex was the one who turned them in. He saw her and the others that night, called the cops about talking to her first. Hmm. Then Mackenzie texts her. This is a great non sequitur. School's been weird, huh? Mackenzie is like, like very low key dropping some like really funny lines. Like, I don't know, not like, I don't know, laugh out loud funny, but like very kind of like sardonic, like dry non sequiturs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe they they were like, you need to be the quirky, funny best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Granger's funeral is going to be on Thursday. Did it apparently be mandatory? Yeah. What the fuck? Which attendance again, is mandatory to a funeral for your teacher? It's basically YA book slash TV show logic. I mean, like, why the fuck did Ezra go to, you know, later on we found out, but why did Ezra go to Allison's funeral? You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah, I just didn't I'm trying to think, to, but I, did. I don't believe we had any teachers who passed away any time that I can recall. No, I mean, we had, we had students who died. Um, yeah, there's never, no mandatory funerals for that. That's for sure. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm trying to remember. There was like a yard duty who like killed himself like between second and third grade. And I think the teachers just like didn't want to talk about it. There's definitely no mandatory funeral. Hmm. Well, yard duty. I mean, yeah. What is that? Yeah. Those I mean, people are weird. Was he, was he even sexting with any of the students? I mean, second and third grade, you can barely I, do I it. I hope not. Yeah. Now, well, I like yeah. the detail about the, uh, the hippie ish girls who were like, just like playing guitars and tambourines, like singing about flowers and meadows and shit. Yeah. I mean, when you find out just the sheer number that presumably Granger was keeping it going with girls, that dude has a lot of jam. Granted, okay, I say this as one of my senior year of high school. I might have mentioned this on one of the podcasts before. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. My my Algebra 2 teacher, who was uh, fucking two of the girls in our class, and I had that great seat because I was in between the two. And I eventually realized what was going on, but like the two of them didn't know about each other. And the eyes, ooh, the eye chatter was delicious. Like a congress of eyes. Um, yeah, so she's texted Alex. The dude hasn't responded. She decides, fuck this. She's going to go to the cop or go to his place. Um, she gets there. Cops are working away. She thinks they're working away at the crime scene that is Granger's house. So she's like kind of careful not to be seen. Heads over to Alex's. Turns out the cops are actually after Alex. Well, no, they're, they're, it's both. Yeah. Like, the, yes, well, the, she, she like Granger's house is still all her. taped off, but also yeah. the cops are at Alex's house too. Yeah. Uh, it takes four cops to get a hold of him and wrangle him in the back of the cop car. She tries to run to him, and the cops are like, stay back. He might be dangerous. And she's like, what? Uh, yeah, reporters like, are already there asking just, the cops what's going on. Yeah, just as they got there, seemingly. Like, it's weird. It's like, it should, at first, it's like the cops are like arguing and yelling at Alex, and then suddenly they arrest him. I don't know what they're expecting to happen there. Um, uh, I like this one cop who's like, he's clearly like uh, gunning for promotion at some point. He's just like, oh, I don't do what I'm told, but this dude's under the arrest for Granger. I mean, are you really supposed to be saying that, dude? I don't know. I think you are. I don't All I can tell are. you is what I know. Actually, you could tell her less. Yes. <laughs> so, chapter six. Julie goes to that diner, the one where she and uh, Parker have. The connection. She thinks she sees Ashley at one point. She freaks out. It's actually just some other girl. So obviously Julie's in a place. Yeah. Well, real uh, quick, in, in case we didn't put too uh, too obvious of a point on that, Alex has been arrested for Granger's murder, seemingly letting all the other girls off the hook. Yeah, we'll Which find it, out. It kind of would make sense, you know. It's like, oh yeah, he saw you coming out of Granger's. He ran in. They got in a fight. You know, like that's pretty plausible. Yeah, he went and did a bit of a murder. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know. Uh, Julie's snapped out of her reverie when Parker taps on the window of her car. These two get in, or she gets in. Um, it is interesting. One of the first things Parker says is that they should do something to Ashley in retaliation for the, the outing there. Yeah. Her, she suggests something that I think are on wildly different ends of the spectrum. We should let the air out of her tires or post some shit on Facebook. Well, that's what Julie suggests. Yeah. That's Julie's like, like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, post mean stuff on facebook like it'll just look like we're stupid girls trying to get revenge and parker like doesn't really say anything here so Parker's like let's cut up her face yeah <laughs> uh so parker's surprised to see you know, julie in actual clothes and not like her jam jams julie doesn't want to like tell her about carson whom she talked to for for two hours because it's hard to tell parker nice happy things since parker's whole existence is basically an ontological toilet 
Uh, they're heading to Avis because they've been informed about the situation of Alex. This is when Parker becomes my favorite character again. She informs Julie about her dad being killed. He's already been cremated. Like, how long ago was this dude killed? Whatever. Um, after I mean, this, a couple ap- days. I don't know. I don't know if they really yeah. wait around that long. Well, this is yeah. when they they're meeting up here. They're talking with all the girls, right? Yeah. Well, so but so they. There's there's some very like dated details here. Like uh, after this whole thing, Julie's like, "Come back to my place, movie night. We'll watch anything you want, including Ben Affleck," which tells you Parker's potentially an unreal person. Leslie answers the door to Ava's. Well, oh, I think I think what that's supposed to mean is like, even she's like your choice, even something with Ben Affleck, meaning like Ben Affleck sucks, but like you, I know you like still like him or something yeah, like that. That's my that's my point. Is yeah. clearly Parker's an unreal person. Um, um, a couple of weird details here when they're talking to the rest of the girls. Um, I think Julie skip over Leslie. What's that? You're gonna skip over Leslie? No, I'm I'm backing up. Oh, sorry. Um, they're they've revealed to the the rest of the girls that the Parker's dad is already dead. I think right. No, yeah. Or are we not there they're yet? Okay. To, yeah, they're going to. That's why I was asking if you're skipping over Leslie. Yeah. yeah so they get to the the, the door. Leslie answers. She tells me everyone's already up in Ava's room and not to trash the place. And Parker's like, actually, I was planning on setting fire to the house, thanks. And maybe doing heroin in your bathroom? That cool? <laughs> Julie's like, Parker? Unless he says, who are you again? <laughs> exactly. I like the detail. There's a line. It's like, when the wind shifted, Julie could smell white wine on her breath. <laughs> uh, tough luck for Leslie. Yeah, so they they they're all glad to see Julie. They want to convince her to come back to school that they'll support her. Um, Julie's very happy. Then, like, okay. oh, this all sucked, but uh, you know, it's nice to know I have real friends that won't judge me. And then someone is as good as segues as you and I are because they're like, so Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then we we find out um, like Ava's like totally clueless about most of this, and Max just like, uh. What about this though? Like, I know you think your boyfriend's innocent, but like, here's like a, a story on this website. It's like the newest suspect in the Granger murder case, Alex Cohen, has a history of violence. And it's like there's like a little news report from some dude who went to Alex's old school who says, in "We all Monterey. know." Yeah, in Monterey, California, we all know about Alex. Here, he said he had this ex-girlfriend, Cleo. They just couldn't get over. Practically stalked her. And one night, he hurt Cleo's new boyfriend, Brett, really badly. Brett was hospitalized for a month. Brett's my best friend. I was so worried about him. And so it's like Oprah had to say was, I like beer. I like beer. Yeah. Uh suspiciously, no actual comment from Cleo or Brett no, or their parents won't. in this situation. Yeah. Well, but would the local news go so far as to Monterey to like follow up on a detail? Mm. I mean, I don't probably know, not, but this news sounds suspicious to me. Anyway, so I think I, I feel like stunned. because and this is like Granger's death, too. You know what I mean? Like there's you're kind of one separation away from Nolan's death now. Yeah. Which may or may not even be connected. Yeah, it's. It is a little well, suspicious. I guess that they're they're still positing the theory that Granger killed Nolan. Now Alex has killed Granger and they're mm-hmm. unrelated. So there's no like dead girl involved though, you know, like it's not sexy the way news organizations yeah, really yeah, want it to no be. There's no missing white woman. Uh-huh. Uh, so the girls wonder if Alex saw Ava dancing in the window and then snapped. And Ava's like, he's not really the snapping type. Uh, even Caitlin's attorney had informed her that the cops have text messages from Alex to Granger that said, stay away from my girlfriend or I'll kill you. 
Oh, no, not, that was Caitlin's attorney, I think, said that. Yeah, yeah, Caitlin's attorney, I just said that. He said uh, Ava, but... Well, Caitlin's attorney. And they were supposedly sent after Ava, after Ava had told Alex Granger to hit on her. So, anyway, Ava's like, I haven't even heard from my lawyer who's supposed to be the best. He's supposed to be the best. I just love that line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alex's fingerprints were on Granger's doorknob, which means they're no longer suspects. I like Julie says, uh, maybe you're a lawyer and your parents are trying to protect you. <laughs> I really wanted Ava to just be like, I have the worst fucking lawyers. Because yeah. like Ava's completely clueless to all this. Like everybody else is like, oh yeah, our lawyers told us all this new dirt. I mean, have you read the plea? It's huge. Yeah. Um, so Parker says there's been another death recently too. And then she loses her voice. So Julie finishes saying that Parker's dad was killed what in the a, prison yard. The construction of this. Because Julie as Parker can't say my dad was killed or else that would give her the game away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be like Parker loses her voice and Julie steps in to say Parker's dad was killed. Well, so and then Parker finds her voice again and can talk. The Parker persona steps up when Julie needs to act out. Mm. Then the only time that the Julie character really exerts herself in kind of a fierce threatening way is when she needs to protect the Parker entity. Yeah. But they do have some sort of, you know, unconscious uh, rhythm that they do to like never give it away. Like us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Mac is uh, really blown away. She says, wow, Mac ran her fingers along the stitching on Ava's comforter. There's a lot of death going around. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, like, I don't know, like she, she could be getting a little bit of a Hannah vibe, you know, and just that kind of like matter of fact uh, sauciness. Yeah, so they run over the fact that they've all like named someone in that conversation, like Garia Stark. Ava had named Leslie, Mackenzie had named Claire, Parker named Ashley Ferguson. But if Granger was the one who heard all this and wrote it down, maybe he didn't know who Ashley Ferguson was. So they start listing off everyone there in the room, and we get all these names. Oliver Hodges, Ben Marvolo Riddle, my girl Ursula Winters, Renee Foley, Alex Cohen, Quentin Aaron, James Wong. There's a great aside where they're like, his dad's a congressman, so he wouldn't do anything so stupid. Cross him off the list. And the Mac mm-hmm. is like, uh, like we wouldn't do anything so stupid. Anyways, James Wan stays on the list. Well, also Claire. What I thought, found interesting was that like they're like, oh, maybe this is a fucking pattern, you know, like two people that we named are dead. And it's like no one's like maybe like it never occurs to them like maybe Claire, Leslie, and Ashley Ferguson are in danger. Like it never once crosses their mind that somebody could be out to get them or that maybe they should do even the slightest amount of like warning or like follow up or anything, you know? Well, I mean like, okay, so let's cards on the table. Like I presume that this whole idea is a red herring and or, and or it's like an ABC murders thing where it's going to be used to cover up something else. Who do you think is next? Because there's definitely going to be a next. Uh, which spoiler does not happen between the end of yeah. what we're covering in this podcast. Um, let's see. So our choices are Ashley Ferguson, Claire, or Leslie. I feel like it'll be either Claire or Leslie. It's, I I predict Leslie is next because I believe when we leave off like the big party for the mother is like the next day. Ooh. And so I, I think someone's like doing a header off the balcony. Yes. Like at the party. Yeah. Leslie's going to be great at it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for her death scene. Like the like if I was like to make the Leslie character in the show, I would like I feel like she needs to be like an out of work like soap actress or something too. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh 
just make her even more theatrical and, and Norma Desmond. Yeah, we, so we do get more cat. more mentions of Ursula here. She keeps popping up. Yeah. Uh, the legal pad, Granger had written down notes on the conversation. Maybe the cops have it. Maybe the person who killed Granger has it. Uh, Mackenzie points out. <laughs> you're right. Mackenzie might be, like, moving up in my mm-hmm. estimates. Yeah. Points out that Parker's dad's death really proves nothing. You know, because people who hurt kids are usually targets in prison. So it's uh, it's also, it's it's quite a stretch, I think, to ha- for a high school student to arrange a, to have a prisoner <laughs> murdered. I mean, it's not like any of these characters are Mona Vanderall. No, no. None of them have adrenalized hyperreality. I mean, maybe Julie's close with Parker. So, but. and then so some of them is like, either way, Alex getting arrested is good for us. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure Ava's thrilled. <laughs> I mean, he did betray her, so fuck him. Um, she's, she's kind of implying that she's still like, she's not quite like in a fuck him place. No, right? no, like, she's she's still like want, trying to stick up for him. I, and I feel like she's yeah. sitting on the other end of this comforter, like like hugging a pillow and being like, you bitch. <laughs> well, there's some some detail about the the legal pad here where they. They saw like the notes of the conversation that presumably Granger made about like who they were going to kill and how. And it's like, what happened to the legal pad? And Julie's just like, I'm not sure. And Parker thinks I thought I grabbed it, but I have no idea where it could have gone. So who knows where it is? Yeah. Like I said, so it's either the cops probably do not have it. I'm guessing though. Like I said, it's either with the cops or the killer has it. So um, Julie decides to look on the bright side. She's got good friends. She's got Parker back. And then she says something very ominous at the end here. Coincidence or not, I'm really glad Marcus Duvall is dead. Yes. Marcus and with a K. Do you feel like she's setting up something where it's like it's important that we know his name? Uh, like she's going to find out that like somebody else's dad is named Marcus too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why would you say that name? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't some know. Some of the stuff, I, I don't really recall. I'm sure it came up. I didn't ever really recall Granger's first name. And we find out at the very beginning of this book that it's Lucas. I, mean, so, I, I, I Actually, I think the reason she says it is because it's Parker talking, I believe, right? No, it's Julius. Is it Julie? Is chapter? it Julie saying it? Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on a sec. Okay, yeah. She, I guess that's Julie talking. So Julie can't say, I'm really glad my dad is dead. Mm. Right. And so if you're talking yeah. about somebody else's dad, you would but either say very, Parker's dad, Parker's dad, Parker's dad. I'm really glad Marcus Duvall is dead. Yeah. To maybe. The point for a half a second, I was like, who the fuck's Marcus Duvall? Oh, right. It's Parker Duvall. It could just be a different way to say it. Sometimes when I'm writing, it feels like I've like said the same or written the same word too many times. I need to like use the different name for someone. So it could just be that. Just giving herself some options. I think that Sarah yeah. Shepard's doing a bit of a thing here. So right. chapter seven, we're getting to. Getting to McKenzie. Mac. Um, so I, I just want to highlight a description of Mac here. Uh, it's talking about her like chunky dark frame glasses and wild, untamed blonde hair. Was that what you pictured for Mac? No. I was going to say, I think this is the first time we actually get a description of her. It seems like it, other than like glasses. Like she wears like thick glasses, but like, like oh, I'm such a nerd with my wild, untamed blonde hair. Yeah. I look like yeah, half sounds- a librarian. Yeah. Half a librarian, half a little house on the prairie, lol. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mackenzie's definitely like, her stock is going up, but it's goofy. So this is a Juilliard party that she's going to. She's been avoiding Claire all week and Blake. Fuck Blake. She puts on something else that from what her mom had laid out for her, which is the dress that she's talking about. At the beginning we, of the chapter. we find out that she put the, uh, the card that Blake wrote her, she put in her glove compartment and hopes to never read it. Yeah. Until years later, when she's cool and successful, and Blake really, really doesn't matter. So obviously, that's going to come up eventually, right? 
It's like I was gonna grab twice my, now that they've mentioned it. Yeah. I was going to grab my copy of the book with the cat sleeping on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she's, she's going to this uh, Brazilian restaurant in Seattle where the party is being held. Uh, she runs into Claire who mentions that Blake dumped her and Mackenzie power move. I'm so sorry to hear that. And she walks off. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck else do you want to hear? No, that's perfect. Way yeah. to go. I just, this one, I was like, okay, Mac, you have turned a corner in my eyes. Um, is this like one goes, of those Brazilian steakhouses where they like come around and carve meat off? I, I don't know. Are they just constantly walking around on various meats? Yeah. We should go to one of those <laughs> sometime. We should. Okay. Yeah. Do you know? You're not a big steak like? person though, right? No, I've never been to one. That's what I'm saying. Well, let's just fucking do it. Let's go yeah. fucking hog wild carnivore weirdos. Um, sure. She goes talking to some new kids, including a boy named Lucian who plays the flute. He's okay. He's a vampire, right? Can I, can I just describe this guy? It's a skinny, effeminate boy with delicate looking hands and long eyelashes. Hello, my name is Lucian. Like, what the fuck? It was 100% his vampire. He's like Children of the Night name. Oh, we get some new names here like Rhiannon and Dexter and Oliver. Oliver. Broad shouldered. Dimples plays piano. Uh, he laser focuses on Mackenzie. Yeah, got them piano hands. You know what I'm talking about? They're, these kids are super nerds. They're talking about their their upcoming new life in New York and how it's full of like the subways are full of like super smart rats that are huge. She's surprised how easily she can like flirt with this Oliver bloke because unlike Blake who fucked her over and, and put so much she put so much pressure on herself over that. But this guy's like easy. Can I just read some of their flirting dialogue? Oh no this this is this is golden horny. Teen nerdiness. This is. I, I'm just going to read you a, a passage here. Do I look like the kind of guy who'd actually move his own piano? There are people who do that for me. His green eyes twinkled. That's why I chose it in the first place, so I could have my minions do all the heavy lifting. Mac tried to keep a straight face. I see. Does Juilliard know that you're such a prima donna? I mean, Oliver leaned toward her. No, and let's keep that between us, shall we? Mac placed her hands on her hips, mock stern. What's in it for me? Well, that remains to be seen, Mackenzie Cello, doesn't it? I think so, she murmured. Like, there's seemingly like three other people standing around, right? Just yeah. watching this and being like, Jesus Christ, get a room. No, I feel bad for you. This yeah. is what you call it flirting. Well, so you're, you're kind of sidestepping around. His opening salvo is how impressed he is with the ease of which cellists fling their instrument around. And she says that she's impressed with how pianists move their thing when what she should really be talking about is how good they are with their fingers. Am I right? She's in high school. Also, wasn't Oliver the name of like the shitty dude in the first season of the OC? Oliver's, like things up? Oliver's, Oliver's always, always bad. Always right? the shitty dude. Yeah. Except when they're like, you have failed this city. Eh. <laughs> anyway, Oliver smells clean like lemons and something salty, which is different than Blake's sugary scent. Mac is really trying to like not think about Blake here, but he keeps coming up in her mind. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, as these girls flirt with like some of the girls who do flirt with like new love interests, it's interesting how the specter of the previous one casts its shadow. There was a moment here where like, like some old woman comes up to, to Mac and says, Mackenzie, right. I've been looking for you. And I really thought for a moment, she was going to be like, there's been a mistake. You're not supposed to be. here." Yeah. 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 Yeah, but uh, no, it's like everything is seemingly everything's really going well for all the girls right up, now. Yeah. And so she gets back away from this old lady. She goes to the bar. She gets two drinks for her and Oliver. She heads back over to him. And there is my girl Claire flirting with him, just rubbing that shit in Mackenzie's face. And at one point, Claire grabs this dude's elbow and just kind of mouths the word over to her ex-friend, taken. For some reason, I'm picturing um, 
What was that girl's name from uh, Edge of Seventeen? Like Kaylee or Lee Richardson? Was that her? Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm picturing her as Claire. Like if she went evil, yeah. She doesn't usually play evil people, but yeah. Um, so finally, Mackenzie is like, no, fuck that. And she zooms in on them. She decides this time she's going to fight for the guy. And this is like, why are you stopping here? Like, this is the uh, this is the confrontation I want to see. I mean, it, it would be poor form to do it in front of Oliver, you know? I don't know. I mean, she's, it seems she's to- headed back over to those two. She's going to be like, hi, I've got drinks. And I'm going to like stick around in this conversation. I'm not just going to like slink away and let you like, you know, try to lock this guy down. I mean, technically what we're ending on is the resolve. The, the, what she's saying is that the more key point here is that for the first time, Mackenzie has decided, no, I will fight back. I will not just take this shit. I will not run away, which is great. I mean, that's what she needs to do. That's the turning point that should happen. Yeah, but well, we're she's, also, but she's, we want to see the confrontation. No, but she's thinking she's heading back to Oliver. Like she's not going to back away from this. I don't, I don't think a confrontation is in the offing. She's just saying she's not like, even though she sees Claire talking to this guy and like acting like he's hers, she's not going to like, just, you know, walk away and give up. She's going to go right back in there and act like she belongs. Like I said, that's where we're ending is that the, the, her resolving to not just take this is where we're ending, which is, it's a strong point. Uh, so chapter eight, meanwhile, Caitlin and Jeremy, a street guitarist is doing a kick-ass rendition of Come Together. I'm trying to think, can you do a kick-ass rendition of Come Together on a guitar? That's more of a bass song, right? More importantly, anytime someone ever even slightly suggests that they're going to cover Come Together, I am haunted by like the catch-scratch rendition of like Steven Tyler. Howling yeah, that song, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm haunted by real, Steven Tyler. Leaves you real flaccid, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. All does Caitlin know all over the microphone? Does Ooh. Caitlin know who the Beatles are? Wouldn't she have to? <laughs> I don't know. Do do millennials these days know who the Beatles are? Uh, she says kick-ass version. I, yeah, I guess she I does. I presume that she doesn't think this is an original. Uh, well, her and Jeremy are both kind of dorks, so they'd probably know that. They are huge stars. They're showing down Main Street at Beacon Heights. They just saw a movie. They, they just went to see a tentacle porn movie. Well, this was hilarious because they're describing the movie, and I'm like, the fuck is this? And then they're like, anime, huh? And I was like, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, they're eating ice cream. They're holding hands. Jeremy has vanilla dribbling down his chin. She's wiping up her finger. Well, there's a few details I want to touch on here. Um, touch he, touch he, like she like wipes his like mouth or whatever and he like sucks her finger and she's just like my fave uh, talking about like mint chip and he says i know it always has been except for your brief dalliance with caramel swirl in middle school like dude that's not attractive like like i don't, I don't like he's he feels like of, fucking stalkerish i don't like this kind of observance well and she's like she's thinking about this like with fondness like oh he remembered how she hated her geometry teacher two years before how the first thing she'd had to eat after she got her braces off was Laffy Taffy. I think a lot of people, especially coming out of certain circumstances, they like that feeling of like really being seen and put on a pedestal. Yeah, you're um, not going to like it And then you start long. to yeah, you start to realize the kind of person that sees you that hard, they see a version of you that can make you very uncomfortable. Jeremy um, wears a pressure peacoat, on you. By the way, he's he's got a pea coat on. Yeah, but she likes that this is public as fuck. Hey world, I'm dating Jeremy Friday, not not Josh. I just Friday. went to Suck see it. an anime tentacle porn movie with him. Yeah. 
They were both confused, confused by how the main girl was able to switch formulas and lure that thing of the tentacles out from under the bench, which sounds like my dating life. Um, Josh would have never gone to see Japanese anime with her. Ugh. Yeah. Well, there's also something creepy just about how he can like zero in on her mind of like, I know exactly the part of the movie that, you know, had you confused or had you, you know, doing a double take. Or well, and also like just just like the the dead brother slash dead friend is like way too central in their yeah. relationship. Josh. Yeah. It's right between way, them. Josh is way too central. Yeah. Yeah. She's Josh getting, would she's do this. Josh would brother. do that. Yeah. She's getting close to her brother through this guy. And this guy is also getting close to Taylor, but also he's been obsessing over this girl in a way that's probably not healthy. Nah. Like it's okay to have a crush on your brother's girlfriend. Well, there's another detail here about uh, okay to, she, she told her moms that she was going out with Jeremy tonight and their fakey fake smiles had dimmed a little. Like, I really want these moms who eventually sit Caitlin down and just being like, look, we caught that guy jerking off outside your window. He's a fucking creep. Oh, I love that chapter now. Um, yeah, so they wish they could go back to one of their houses. Her moms have chilled a little since they know she's no longer expected to murder. Maybe they'll come around on Jeremy. Uh, Coach Leah calls her, congratulates her on being co-captain. Co-captain of my girl Ursula Winters. Um, Ursula Jer- Winters, still the dark horse, right? Yeah, yeah. Like... She's got a very cool name. If, she's if, got a presence that's if, like, it's not going away. If Ursula does turn out to be the killer, I'll be impressed just by the uh, consistency with which we've gotten mentions of Ursula throughout the story. Yeah. And it's it's never like seemed like she couldn't be the killer, but it, like yeah. no strong emphasis has really ever been placed. I feel like Ursula Winters is kind of like Cloris Leachman, Young Frankenstein. Like every time someone says her name, there's like a horse. She's like, Rrr! in the distance. Um, Jeremy doesn't seem thrilled. No, he's like captain which, of what the soccer team. Yeah, that, he bums her out. She oh, the fucking Josh. Enterprise, you nerd. Yeah, <laughs> he would love that. Mm. He'd be like coming in his pants. Uh, Start thinking of Josh. He would get it. He'd get. Uh, uh, are we talking her. Enterprise A, Enterprise D? Like what? Which Enterprise are we talking? Uh, wow, this guy. Uh, who knows this nerd? Uh, like, I don't know what you think of this guy. No, he, no, no, you know what? This guy's a fucking DS9 fan. Okay. You know he is. The one you had the, the most derision for is DS9? Just those DS9 fans, man. They're all like, oh, no, the show got really good. Shut up. Okay. Um, yeah. You have a lot of unresolved issues with DS9 fans. It never got that good. That's all I'm saying. Because you watched it and you saw that? I saw enough. Okay, so you didn't actually see where... Oh, where you're one of those DS9 guys. No, no, I'm just, I'm just exploring. Uh, tell, us, tell us where DS9 went wrong for you. Like, where did it touch you? It was just fucking boring. Okay, so Quark you're and Quark's, like, nephew or whatever, and Cisco's son. It was just... Uh, okay, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I don't care, but I'm sorry to hear that, too. Uh, so yeah, sure. Jeremy thought she was like uh, conflicted about soccer. And she's like, well, I was. That doesn't mean I wanted to stop playing. So there's a game coming up where the captains walk out on the field with their dates. She wants Jeremy to join her. And he's like, oh, no, dances are not my thing. Well, she wants uh, him to go to homecoming. And he's just like, nah, like, dude, yeah. come on. Like, they, they just became your thing, dude. You got a girlfriend now. Also, for a guy who's supposedly so observant, so in tune with the emotions and the the wants and needs of this girl, like it's been on her mind the popularity scale, like bro, level up. Yeah, uh, dude. Like you, you need to cut with the whole like, oh, I'm I'm so unpopular that I'm cool, and like you know those the rest of those kids are the real losers. Saying like, yeah, step out of your shell a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
She's bummed that he's not more enthusiastic. He tells her they're going out on Saturday. Josh Friday is taking her out on Saturday. He's going to make the plans. All she has to do is show up. She's thrilled because this means that he's clearly going to take her out to celebrate. Not likely. She's hoping they'll go to that BBQ place or the Asian fusion place that Josh is afraid of. Um, Josh is still very much a part of this relationship, and she's reading things into it that are going to let her down. Um, It seems like Jeremy's not going to be okay with Caitlin still being like, I don't know, a jock, I guess, is how he would see her. You know, like I think he thought that like he had like won, and now like that part of her life is entirely over. And he broken her not, and isolated her. Yeah. Uh, so the chapter ends like this. Suddenly, Caitlin felt a rush of euphoria. Jeremy was reacting in the right way. She was silly to have ever doubted him. Yeah. Which, guess what? what? Did you say before they hit you? Guess again? what, Caitlin? It's only chapter eight. Yeah. Uh, of course. Of course, she was right to doubt this guy. Of course. All right. So I just want the, the chapter where Caitlin's moms are just like, uh huh. We knew that guy was a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's Ben Stiller in Something About Mary. Ooh. In Something About Mary? I don't know. I feel like there's better Ben Stiller Fucking roles you can point to. Like, okay, such as? Oh, I'm not thinking of any right now. I mean, obviously not Reality Bites, but... Um. Oh, my God. Seeing Reality Bites when I was uh, in high school, like when I was a teenager, maybe junior high. I don't remember exactly. I remember thinking, like, those kids were, like, where those those adults were like twenty years away. From I know. Me. I remember thinking they were like fucking ancient. <laughs> I know. <laughs> fucking Ethan Hawke in that movie. Um, yeah. So it's an able chapter. She gets dressed up for Granger's funeral. Uh, her dad calls her by the Farsi pet name he asked her, which is I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Jagar. Which in Urdu, this is a slang term for friend. In Farsi and Hindi, it literally means liver. Although it has come to mean heart or as an affectionate term. Some people will use it to refer to someone as a cutie. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, father's coming with her to the funeral, which is, you know, hard because of her mom's funeral. Uh, it, they're about to have a moment here. And then Leslie Bard is in with some bullshit, like yelling on the phone about tulips are cheap. And don't you know who I am? And I'm going to find a different floral designer because... The fucking floor arrangement for a party is so important to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she's really upset that Farouz is not gonna, is going to be gone for hours. Like, like her mom, with this fucking floral design. Yeah, like she really needs help with this fucking floral design. Like her mom is going to show up on Friday and be like, "Oh my god, I'm so disappointed in my daughter. The floral arrangement isn't good enough." What What is the significance of this party? Like, is I it just know. the town? Did your mom just get a medal? Does she have cancer? What is happening at this party? It seems like Take she's throwing a, yourself, Leslie. It seems like she's throwing a party just because the mom is showing up. <laughs> Look, mom, we've got money. Um, so this is when Ava's dad is like, Leslie's trying very hard, you know. And Ava's like, in what way, <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> well, there is this detail here where it's, uh, but strangely, Ava couldn't tell him. It seemed petty, like tattling. She wanted her dad to see things for herself. Like she, she could tell her dad all the horrible shit that Leslie says to her, but like she won't. It's like that would be kind of like violating the rules of this weird game or something, you know. You need to tell your fucking dad. Yeah, I mean she's being verbally abused by this woman. I I can see why she would. I I can see why she'd be reluctant to just because like, wouldn't that be what you'd expect Ava to say if she didn't like the stepmom, you know? I think that there's no situation where it's cool that the status quo is, I think you're a whore, no one respects you, and I presume that you were sexually gratifying the person who was just murdered. I guess if I was Ava, I would want something concrete so it wasn't just my word. 
against the the stepwise because yeah. she, you know there is kind of a lot stacked against Ava right now. Which, by the way, um, they're they're seemingly they're in the clear because Alex is arrested. But like the popular narrative right now has to be that Ava was hooking up with Granger. Yeah, she left. Alex saw this, ran in, and killed him. Like that's what everyone is assuming, right? Uh, well, when Ava is kind of stunned about people's reaction to her showing up at the funeral, I'm not saying uh-huh. it's cool how they react. I'm just saying maybe you should have expected some of this. I don't I think just, I don't think I, Ava totally understands what everyone else is thinking about her. I, it, she kind of suspects it a little, but I don't think she really grasps it. Like, no, this is what everyone's thinking about you right now. Like. They're all very convinced that you were fucking Granger and that you got caught by your boyfriend. <laughs> which is which is hilarious because she's aware of like the rumors spread about her by Nolan Hotkins. Yeah. yeah, it's like I don't, it's not fully. It's like she hasn't to totally put it together. Like why this re- she's getting this reaction from people? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, this is this is where she's her most Arya esque. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's like, you know, Dad's like, uh, Leslie wants to bond with you. He's. He's, she's proud of how well you're doing at school. Which is hilarious. Uh, so they go to the funeral. Cops are there. She remembers Alex. Oh, yeah, he's in jail for this dude's murder. Uh, she sees all the girls from the nude photos and the sex. They're like bawling their eyes out. Um, I like that she's like, especially the signals out like the belt buckle girl. I like how uh, she's just like, God, get over it, people. He was just a teacher and a perv at that. Yeah. But she realized that these girls actually like love this piece of shit. Like they thought that this was real. Like he wasn't just preying on them. Like they were in relationships or something. Um, well, this all makes me wish for the alternate universe where PLL had been allowed to kill off Ezra Fitz yeah, and, yeah. and possibly not even in a romantic way. Like imagine a season five of PLL where Ezra Fitz has died and mm-hmm. all the people at school are fucking heartbroken about it. Except for the four liars who know he's a massive fucking scumbag. And like, I, I feel like there's so much drama to mine there. You know, if well, like. And not just that they know he's a scumbag, but Ario having massively conflicted yeah. emotions. Like, well, I mean, the only, the only thing that I would, that I would want to preserve, so you'd have to move this up, is when Aria actually looks at her yearbook photo or her yearbook accomplishments. Yeah, you'd, you'd, yeah, that's tough because that is a good moment. You'd have to find a, a way to to work that in earlier or just recontextualize it, I guess. But like the kind of weird, you know, existential high school dread of like knowing that somebody is a horrible person and no one would believe you if you said so, yeah. you know, and this person's being like lionized and worshipped and there's nothing you can do about it. Kind of like know, how you that, talk about me. Hmm. Yeah, analyze that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so someone's like talking about how crazy Alex always seemed. Um, it's meant for Ava to overhear. She seems shocked that people are surprised to see her at this funeral, which I don't know. I feel like this is like the the bit that I would go back in and I would like there's there's something really potentially very interesting here for like like self-realization for this character that's not fully, I don't know, probed. Um uh, She's surprised about the things that they've learned about Alex recently. More folks have come forward from his old school talking about what a psycho he is. Well, she mentioned that to, the only to be people clear, come forward. To, to be clear, they've come forward to tell the same story about Alex, like beating up that dude, Brett. They right, haven't the like, like, like as far as I can see, no one has come forward and said, oh, he bullied me too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't people who haven't come forward are Cleo and Brett. Yeah. Which makes me think that there's a, a shoe to drop there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
So the priest gets up, starts the funeral talking about what a leader and guide Granger was, and that he's just like another teacher that was taken from the world too soon. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but just imagine this scene in PLL where it's like some some priest giving a eulogy of Ezra Fitz with this like big, like shitty grin photo, and they're all like disgusted because like they know he was actually a huge scumbag. Yeah. I I I can only assume that some of this is written like as a reaction to PLL. Like it I, has I wonder, to be, right? Yeah, I wonder if she's just like they've got to take this moment into the show, uh, which I think kind of becomes a moot point because of the the upgrade to college. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, don't we just assume from from fiction, like previous fiction, that college professors are fucking their students or trying to? I mean, it's still unethical. It's just less unethical. I don't know, you know. But like, I mean, like most of the times that there's like the call, like the older, like astute college professor character, it's just like which of the students is he banging? In fiction, a lot of times, yeah, yeah. So chapter ten, back to Parker. Um, she's in the waiting room for Elliot Fielder's office. The the therapist. Uh, she recounts to her, recounts to us about how. He had told her about the dad on Tuesday. She had ducked him, took a bus back to Beacon Heights, hooked up with Julie, which we saw in that Ava chat or the chapter where they went to Ava's. If she's a real person, it's interesting that she's the person who takes advantage of mass transit. She expects to feel joy or elation, but instead she's been having these like abusive greatest hits flashbacks of her dad and the headaches. Well, do you think maybe this is because like all of these sort of uh, unresolved conflicts that like a Parker ghost might have are getting resolved in a way? Like, uh, yeah. Nolan Hotchkiss is dead now. Her dad is dead. Like, there's yeah. kind of less reason for her to exist. Like, she's fading. Well, yes and no. I mean, I see what you're saying, but yes and no. I mean, just because the your abuser's not walking the, the mortal plane anymore doesn't mean that the issues you carry around go away. I mean, like, like look at you. Like, but, DS9 was canceled years ago. You're still, I'm still angry. But, but, I mean, this is Julie, though, really, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So the, well, also... <laughs> Like I love that like Julie calls from the funeral, upset that Parker didn't come. It's like if you were there, Julie, Ava would have seen you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying like this is obviously actually Julie is the one who's like creating the Parker persona, and it's mm-hmm. like there's less reason to have the Parker persona. I guess yeah, it's yeah. like you know things are being resolved there. I mean, not all Which of them, is- but. Which is why Julie calls and she's like, yeah. really, where are you? Why aren't you telling me things? Blah, blah, blah. It's because the Parker persona is now threatened. Like if it's going, if, if Parker, I keep saying it, sorry. If Parker is going to Fielder's office, it's like she's slowly groping her way to a revelation or a realization or some kind of healing. And that's when some aspect of Julie has to chime in and be like, no, please don't. Please don't open that door. Oh, then we get this total like kind of curveball. I feel like from Fielder here is she's Parker has gone back to to have another session with Fielder. Uh, he you know brings her into his office for a thing, and he says, "Look, Parker, I have a confession to make. Technically, I shouldn't tell you this as your therapist, but my mother had a lot of problems when I was growing up. It's he stopped again and swallowed. Loss. Yeah, she was an amazing, brilliant woman, but she had a lot of memory gaps too, like yours. I wasn't able to help her, and then." Then it was too late. And then he like fucking starts crying and he's just like, you remind me of her, the strong and amazing parts of her. And I guess I just want to do for you what I wasn't able to do for her. But I crossed that line and I realized that I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so sorry. Like, dude, this is unprofessional. Well, because he's told her that the reason he's been following her is he's been trying to fill in the memory gaps with pictures, which, you know, 
potato patata, like uh, you're stalking this teenage girl, <laughs> this teenage girl who's got a duality raging inside of her. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I describes the mom. The mom, his mother would go outside, go out for an errand, disappear for like a day and a half, come back, not know where she's been, be very confused and upset at questions from the the, the husband and the son about where have you been, and then one day she just went out and never returned. So I love the detail of Parker is just like, did you ever find her? And he nods and she says, where? And he says, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, so, you know, you know who Fielder should be? Who? Eddie Lamb. Um, yeah, they can. Well, this, this, this is kind of like the, 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 wouldn't it be nice Eddie Lamb backstory? There's a little bit of a different detail here, though. It's, uh, after Parker has agreed to start coming back for more sessions. Says his face had that lit up hopeful look, even the school's hottest football players got when she agreed to go on a date with him. Attraction. So, like, seemingly, this is more than just a fielder trying to like resolve like some mommy issues here, or he is really trying to resolve those yeah. mommy issues. I don't know. Like this, this that's the part to me that seems out of left field. I mean, it's not that. This guy can't. It's not like it's out of the realm of possibility. This dude's a creep because he's a male in a Sarah Shepard universe. He could absolutely be a creep. But like, I wonder if this is like complicating this, making this foul, poisoning this well could be part of the the miasma of the Julie Parker situation. Um, but it's interesting because it's it's also wrapped into just how how generally fucked up she feels that she is as a person. She didn't think there's anything in New Parker to be attracted to. She says because she feels disgusting. Maybe this dude sees old Parker hidden away in there somewhere. Maybe if a little help, new Parker could be coaxed into letting old Parker, old Parker out to play. And that's when she's like, yes, I will be coming back. Oh yeah. Nothing, nothing about the idea that this guy is attracted to her slows her down at all. She's not, there's no like, Oh gross. Oh no. It's like, Oh, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, are we going to have a scene where it's like Julie wakes up in bed with fielder and she's like, what the fuck? That'd be fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's all of all of it's heading to a terrifying place. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that's chapter ten. Yeah, so we will definitely be coming back for regular. I mean, 10. I think this this starts out much stronger and is much more compelling. I think than the opening yeah. of uh, the perfectionist. I think perfectionist really started to hit its stride once we got a little more into the the Parker Julie dynamic. Um, weirdly, like Nolan seems so absent from these books. Yeah. You know, it's not like Allie or like Allie, you know, it's like she's gone, but she's everywhere. Like Nolan is just gone. Like if this was a multi-book series, I could absolutely see like a recurring format where it's like prologue. We have a flashback to that conversation in, in, in uh, Granger's, you know, classroom. And then it's like book three prologue. Here's a flashback to like a key moment of that, that night that they oxied yeah, Nolan yeah. or something, you know, like, uh, I, I gotta say though, for the people who like loved whenever, like especially like Norbuck would like use mirrors in PLL, <laughs> if they do anything with the Parker and Julie situation, anything like that in the Perfectionist TV show, like there's there's ample opportunity to like really have people like examine themselves, you know, their their character and what physically and and not so. Boo. Sorry. What? I said boo. Oh, you know okay. mirrors. Yeah. A fucking legendary moment. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, right now, if I had to guess, it 
does seem like there must be another killer, although I really had no idea who it would be. Like nobody Amy? stands out. Yeah, Amy, the mysterious <laughs> Amy, who showed up out of nowhere. Uh, we'll see if she makes another appearance. I wonder if it's like a group or like like two people or something. I. It yeah, seems I like know. Alex. I feel like they've set up Alex as like, oh, secretly he was like a huge asshole and a stalker. Except we haven't gotten like the the testimony of the two people who matter most in that situation. So like, it's gonna turn out that like he took the fall for the girlfriend and like the girlfriend beat the dude up or something like that. You know, like yeah. there's going to be some sort of twist there, but like how many chapters would resolve that? I don't know. I mean, is my thing. We're a third of the way through about like a little more than but a I third mean, of the way through. Presumably that would be like an Ava chapter. She's getting like one chapter every five to six chapters. It just seems like, I, I just I'm very confused how this is only two books. Yeah, oh, I mean, but that would get Alex out of the box though. Like if it it's all kind of tied up together, and it's mm-hmm. like it turns out that here's like a new piece of evidence that says Alex couldn't have done it. Then like if they get put back in the box, then as suspects, you know, you ratchet it up from there. But it gives you plenty of play. But this this is a fascinating situation because we're looking at this second book and thirds. You know, we have two acts left essentially to we're assuming if we play by the usual rules to redeem Alex or, or get him out of suspicion to figure out who killed Granger and to figure out who killed Nolan Hotchkiss and like and a lot reveal, of relationship drama. To yeah. It. And to reveal that Parker is actually Julie that I'm guessing Parker's dad killed Julie that or killed Parker that night. Um, that, that dastardly Marcus Duvall. Um, I, I don't know if there's like a resolution between Ava and Alex, but like i I, I don't know if uh, uh, Mackenzie's going to go back to Blake. I, I guess I'd rather she went with this weird Oliver guy. Um, I presume that um, Caitlin is going to end up back with Josh. Uh, maybe. I mean, Josh seems like a chode anyways, but like. Or maybe she's going to realize like both. I choose me. Yeah, yeah. These Friday boys just kind of suck. Um, still baking. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if Leslie dies next, then I feel like that makes. Ava much more suspicious, right? Is there like a concrete ending to this book? Like, is this like, is it just like, well, we canceled the series. We're not going to pursue. Oh, there has to be. I'll be, I mean, I'll be really annoyed if like ends on a cliffhanger that never got wrapped up. Just feels like we're book two of like a four book series. But I mean, like if you're making a TV show out of the book, doesn't like, you'd think they'd start cranking out another book now, right? Like if, if it like needed to finish up. Oh yeah. Yeah. The long-awaited conclusion to the trilogy, yeah, for sure. But yeah, like if yeah. if Leslie dies and and then it's like, okay, well, Ava, you had motives against these three people who are all dead. You know, like you'd see, you'd think the noose would be tightening there. So we don't think any of the perfectionists themselves are the killer. I don't think so. I seemingly I just for, for Granger, I don't think they could be. They were all in the car and drove away. But as far as killing, like. Um, Nolan? I, I I think you could maybe say that Julie w- did that. Like, she could have just slipped some cyanide into the drink. Like, that would be the, the easiest way to resolve the Nolan thing. I just don't really see where, like, Granger and then, like, if this is, like, a, an ABC murder thing, you know, where, like, other people are dying based on what they talked about, like, the, you know, Parker's dad and then if, like, you know, Claire or, or Leslie or Ashley dies, <laughs> like, then I'm not sure who's doing that. I mean, like, 
obviously we're kind of spoiling this Agatha Christie book, The ABC Murders. Like I'm trying to remember, was it A was the actual crime or was it B? Like, I, like, I do not recall. Like was somebody like actually like wanting to kill Granger and so they're sending like a plateau of murder to like cover this up because then they'd have to be like really tied together and like that one uh, have... like Jack Reacher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it all ties back to Jack Reacher. Oh, that's a headcanon episode right there. Oh, for fucking sure. I mean, practice your Werner Herzog. Why do they always choose the gun? <laughs> um Oh, I wish Werner Herzog would be guest starring in an episode of The Perfectionist. That'd be great. Uh, hope springs eternal. Yeah. Mona, you're just... I, no, he could be like Mona's like mentor. Like when she went oh, and climbed yeah. the mountain to find the blue flower. And he, <laughs> Why don't you want to join the League of Shadows? <laughs> um, I feel like the Mackenzie-Julie reveal is so cataclysmic that it'd be rough to say also Julie murdered somebody. I could see something like the murky ground where... Parker's like, I don't know. I might have you guys. I mean, I guess I could. I guess what stands out to me is that I don't see how Julie could have done Granger. I could yeah. even, you know, it's it's vague enough that's like, sure, maybe she was responsible for Parker's dad's death, but like, it seems like there was no way she could have done Granger. Maybe Amy killed Granger. <laughs> maybe it was Amy. Yeah. Like, I kept waiting for Amy to be revealed as one of the girls crying at the funeral. I really did. She never comes up again. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Well, she's not anywhere in the first book that we know of. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Is there like some kind of girl that like one of the other girls sees, but they don't know the no, name of No, we would have remembered that, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I anyways. Really want, I really want to talk to Sarah Shepard when we finish this book. I would love to. Somebody somebody, make that happen, please. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, just because teen mystery books are such a fascinating like they seem minor to some people but like there's such an interesting complex dynamic with the, the just the whole teen heightened you know emotions that go into it and like you have to do a regular mystery involved uh well i mean this, this is incredible I mean, she's very ambitious in this book i've been reading her book the elizas which is like more of an adult book it's very different from this and like i just i would love to know like how do books like this happen you know like because it it seems like they're kind of like beats that you have to hit with like teen romance and whatnot mm-hmm. you know it's like you got to get your YA stuff in there and like how do you balance that with the mystery and the murders and all that i don't know i i feel like i would you know have a we could have a very good time talking to sarah shepherd about her her process for these books and for pll well yeah and just like really what is it like i don't want like the safe pet answer what is it like seeing that become a tv show like uh-huh. what is like the weird twist that you're fascinated that the writers came up with what the fuck is that like visiting the set we can ask her about the the granger character how do you really feel about like toby both in the books and in the show yeah toby like actually is like a molester in the books if i recall correctly is there something where he dies in the book and she was asked one time she said i wish i kept that character alive I think she was asked about like the biggest change or something. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how she framed it. But like in the PLL books, it was like Jenna was being molested by Toby and like her and Allie teamed up together to like injure Jenna and frame or it was, it was just to frame Toby, but I think it like Jenna got injured a little more than was intended. But like she was never it was like Jenna was never mad at Allie about it. Because it like it got Toby out of the picture. I mean 
let's talk a little about the show. I, I am willing to bet some amount of money, not a huge amount just yet, that we will probably see a Lucas cameo. I feel yeah, like yeah. after that, a Jenna cameo might make the most sense. Oh, man. Good old Jenna. What is Tam and Sursuk up to these days? Having kids. Does she have another one? I think so. I think she's either oh, had okay. another one or she's about to have another one. Huh. I think that's her her down under lifestyle brand is just the joys of motherhood, uh, which is great. But, you know, being a mother is great and all, but that doesn't even, does it even involve a horse that smells doppelgangers. That's what I'm wondering. Um, I've kind of wavered on my Nolan Hotchkiss dies theory just because of uh, what is the girl's name? Is it Taylor? Haley Aaron. Yeah. But is, is it Taylor Hotchkiss? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like that's why it's really interesting that they're playing with us is that there's, there's a sister character who was definitely around for like when the press came to Portland. Um, but they all, saw, they also were shooting like reshoots of the pilot around that time. So yeah, who knows? Well, and then there was the photo of, of Chris Mason and he had like longer hair than he has in the pilot. And so I, I, I guess my theory was like the, the subversion was that this like Taylor Hotchkiss is the one who actually dies. Like maybe they, the girls want to kill Nolan cause he's obviously a bastard from the trailer. Like these in the books, though a much more sophisticated adult kind of bastard. He's not just like gluing people's butt cheeks together and shoving them in lockers. Hmm. But like maybe Taylor's the one who actually, you know, accidentally takes the death. So it's like the girls have to deal with this. Well, you also have to remember that like planning a murder that happens, but it's like the wrong person gets murdered. But now I don't know. I just don't know. You also have to remember these, the production here, these guys are not amateurs. They're not rookies to this minefield. They know what they're doing when it comes to social media. So it could be a fucking long con that they're playing. Oh, absolutely. And I hope it is. I, I hope that they're because, you know, like we're sitting here thinking like, God, guys, I don't want you to see the kind of abuse that you're going to get from like the uh, uh, Emerson folks, you know. But it's like the mystery thing is kind of where they're they're good. They just need to have someone lock up people's ages. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, don't do into the uh, interpretive memory or what have you. Um but yeah, like the the mystery thing, they know they have that down. Well, they know how to deceive. I think almost too well. Like they they pulled stuff like so far, you know, from up their nether regions and PLL that like it was like who the fuck was ever going to get Shauna? You know? Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, just just the idea that an A or an A character would be revealed in that season five premiere, that was the thing that fucking shocked me the most. It wasn't just that it was Shauna is that we were going into season five thinking that a was dead and that we had another three episodes where the girls just had to live with like Arya's dealing with the guilt and the weirdness of Ezra. And they're all like, Oh my God, Allison's alive. Like the fact that they like took three episodes just to deal with this grave new world, I thought was so fascinating. Um, so they know what they're doing and they're, they're great. At the camp moments, like again, no cons head. That's just that's just one for the ages for me. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. All right. Well, I, would never, I would never guess he would do like Hallmark holiday movies, but it's perfect, I guess. Do you think that's a step or up or down from like these Netflix Christmas movies? I feel like Netflix is stepping in to Hallmark's game, though. Yeah. Right? Um, like I didn't finish the Princess Switch. But it's like it seems like it's the same like logic and production values. I watched Jenny Nicholson's video on the Christmas Prince, and that movie looks like it's very low budget. That's the Rose McIver one. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know the the Hallmark ones supposedly have like a formula. Like they have to be very wintry. They have to be cabins. A dude has to be shirtless. The women never like show off their body. They smooch, but they never really talk about sex unless it's like in a very cutesy, like we're going to boink it's kind a, of way. It's a pan to the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or when in doubt, have a train just ram into that tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we can probably wrap it up because I have to use the bathroom. I've been trying to. Yeah. Uh, so next week, or not next week, next month, we should say, uh, chapters 11 through 20 is what we're going to be covering of the good girls. Yep. Uh, we'll see if we have any more interesting uh, production updates since then. Seemingly they'll be done then. Maybe we'll have some more information. Uh, but yeah, yeah. we're just uh, marching through these novels right now. Uh, if you guys uh, want to get in touch with us at broswatchpl2 on the Twitter or broswatchpl2 at gmail.com. Um, if you have any questions or feedback or anything, uh, hit us up. We don't have much to talk about other than the books right now. So, yeah. yeah. We sound real lonely, but whatevs. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be back next month. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, our headcanon, we're going to do a little ho- holiday party for New Year's. So uh, you can uh, hear us blather on and get wrecked on that podcast as well. I like that that's the thing to look forward to. It's just how drunk we're going to get. Um, oh, yeah. Which apparently is, apparently is happening. Apparently that's a thing. You promised that. Uh, but just in general, check out headcanon. We do that like twice a month now. Ish. Three times a month. Yeah. When you're feeling so inspired, we talk about movies. Cool. It's online. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.